1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM, ESPN. Welcome,
2: welcome, welcome. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the commercial appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good
3: day, sir. Finally, the NBA playoff. It feels like the NBA. I, do you feel like the play-in counts as the playoffs? Are you feel? Are you of of the mind? You know what? Like this is like they don't really keep track. Like. Playing games, by the way, have become like bowl games used to be. Like, you can't, the stats don't, up, like, they don't count.
2: That's purgatory. They're not postseason stats, they're not regular season like, stats. Th-
3: it's a game stat. Like, and it's really hard to find sometimes, honestly, when you're trying to, like, go back and track, like, oh, remember, like, Ja, no, the you, first playing game when they. I think
2: b- you have to go find the actual game's
3: box score, yes. yes. That's the only way to do it. Like, like I, w- I was trying to look up, oh, I wonder, what did Ja do? Remember, Ja had a big game in that one in the bubble Por- against it was the Portland? Portland one? Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, oh, oh, it doesn't pro basketball reference doesn't keep it on his game log. You literally have to go to the box score, right? Um, But has have the play in games grown on you at all? Um, I treat them like. Did tonight? Do you count tonight for instance? Did you do you view the start of the NBA playoffs having been Tuesday night in your mind?
2: No, I view it like I view Dayton. Mm. Like it's it's something I watch. Like I'm not I'm not in the. The haters category. Um, I'm also not in the. This was
3: such a great idea, whatnot. It's like yeah. I, I don't. It's fine. Yeah, I, I can see why they did it. It creates a little more inventory, well, and it, it juices an, up the regular season a little bit. It, they
2: sell it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, was it AT and T? Someone, someone. There was a title sponsor. I mean, they're the getting. They're getting.
3: They're getting. What eight? Nash eight. Is it eight? No six nationally televised additional nationally televised games out of this right there's two tonight two two and two yeah, yeah there's two, three nights yeah. there's three nights of games two each yeah and it's it's fun to see you know i wouldn't call like for instance when i was watching uh thunder uh pelicans pelicans uh i did not view that as like game 7 intensity but but it was like season on the line intensity no i, I thought it was an intense game you just recognize like oh yeah these teams are good <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like watching the two eleven seeds play. I mean, we're still at a point
2: where no team from the play-in has advanced in the first round.
3: Well, we are officially less than twenty-four hours away from the official start of the NBA playoffs. Grizzlies will play that; they will begin their much anticipated series with the Lakers Sunday at two p.m. Uh, My guess is, Jeffrey, shocker here. It's Friday. We're talking about what are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend. Pretty much guarantee one of the things is going to be Grizzlies Lakers game one. Yeah, good, bad, and different. Like, yeah, the lead topic
2: on on Monday is whatever happens but, on Sunday.
3: But there's plenty of other stuff we'll get into here in the opening segment. Uh, trouble for uh, Memphis basketball's biggest recruit this year uh, out in San Diego. We'll dive into the the Mikey Williams news. Uh, also, uh, showboats are back this weekend tomorrow. I believe three fifteen. Uh, or three, yeah, three, three 330 something like that. At over at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Hopefully the weather holds out for them. Um, so a, b- a big weekend to to discuss. Um, two forty or so. Blake Topmeyer will join us, like he usually does on Fridays. We'll get into some college football with him. It's a big, it's a big spring game weekend this weekend in the SEC. Jeff, we've
2: already had some to begin with.
3: Yeah, but this this is mm-hmm. like the big one. This is there's a lot of them going on. Um, so we'll dive into that with Blake and get his thoughts on, uh, what's going on in college football three o'clock or so. We will get into the list, uh, and then, uh, we'll get you ready for the weekend with our games of the weekend. The ones we're looking most forward to again, spoiler alert. One of them's going to be game one of Lakers Grizzlies. Probably going to do my haters guide mm-hmm. to LA then. Okay, perfect.
2: I'm, th- I'm thinking game of the weekend. Seems... You don't
3: want to save that ahead of game three. Mm. I mean, I can always, I can, can always run it back. Yeah, that's true. You know true. what I mean? That's true. There's not, there's not enough. Correct. There's, there's plenty of reasons to hate on LA. Correct. Especially over the next couple yes, of weeks. Yes, absolutely. Um, beat LA. We need, to, we probably need to get something for next week, like a, uh, a recording of people yelling "Beat LA." Yeah, I need to, It was a Fox Sports Net clip
2: mm. that was, that was like the Grizzlies' first like moment where you're like, oh, this is. This is kind of cool. Yeah, it's different saying beat LA about the Clippers. No, no, this was, oh, was they, this was when they beat Kobe and Shaq. Oh, 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 like, when, oh in the, back. Pi- in yeah, yeah, the yeah. pyramid. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. heard about. I've heard about this yeah, game. That was, yeah. that was like they a were, legendary game. They were yeah. a dog awful team that I year. want to say
2: maybe like eight wins at the time. <laughs> yeah, and and they, just,
3: yeah. And they came. Out, I've, yeah. I've heard. The, I've heard the stories about that game. A legendary game in the rise of the Grizzlies. Yes. Um But yeah, let's uh, let's start off though with with game one because this will be the last time. We get to talk about it on air before it actually happens. Um, so I think we should start here, first and foremost, as we're previewing. Okay. Mark, I think there's
2: something out there that everybody's forgetting about. But this time, Memphis gets to play a role. Mark, we got our first report from ESPN's Dave McMiniman mm. about what content LeBron is consuming to prep himself for the playoffs. No, no. He's not still on Chapter Two of the Godfather, the yeah. actual book. Mark, he watched Casino last night, so that maybe the odds would be in his favor.
3: Is that what? Is that really? Oh yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah. so he didn't. Even though that saying is from The Hunger Games, may the odds correct. ever be in your favor. But you know what? I actually, I'm woke on this. Uh, LeBron
2: lies a lot, like a whole hell of a lot. Like one of my all. That's ta- slander, sir. Good. Um, one of my all-time favorite clips, or uh, clips, is when he was asked, like, "What's his favorite part about The Godfather? Favorite quote from The Godfather?" And he's like, "Man, there's, there's so many. One, one quote. A- anything? Got nothing? So m- I'm woke on this. Might have been watching actually The Hunger Games, mm-hmm. but that doesn't sound cool enough. Gotta say he's watching Casino.
3: Which was he watching? If he's watching the first hour yeah, of it's, Casino. It's, I'm all for it. That's a great. It's a great hour of of film. Well, if his if his
2: if his film oh. watching is the same as his reading, yeah, he probably only watched like the first thirty minutes. Yeah.
3: Well, then he probably loves it. Yeah. The back half of Casino kind of drags. A little yeah. Bit. Not, not. Oh, it's a love story. That's yeah. what as we soon, wanted. As soon as it, but yeah, as soon yeah. as it becomes centered around oh, shared. Stone incredible performance. Yeah. But like, it just wasn't that storyline. Yeah. I liked watching. I don't care. Ace, right? Isn't that his name? Ace. Ace. It's uh, been a while since I've seen De Niro's yeah. characters rise to taking over yeah. the casino through the mob, just killing people, and yeah. then Joe Pesci, just yeah, yeah. just killing people. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the movie yes. I love. Tasteful. Yeah. <laughs> um. But okay. But big, so he's, so what's he gonna? You know. So what, he's watching Scorsese.
2: What book is he gonna? What you know? What's he gonna walk into the arena? You know the the famous NBA. Man, the NBA loves their guys walking into the arena. Is he going to be reading a book? Well, is he going to be iPad? It's a,
3: it's a. It's a sh- I feel like it's a shorter walk in FedEx Forum than other arenas. Yeah, because it's pretty close to the garage. Like they don't walk very far. Yeah, well, like it's not that it's that close to the garage. It's that the part where you're allowed to film. Yeah, is a short yeah. runway, if you will. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, and they, like once you get to the bat, they don't. I mean, maybe they, maybe they'll make an exception for the king. Because he has to walk through yeah. people don't notice it really because like, it's to, not to be clear. there's they're not, not in a, Memphis.
2: Well, no, it's not an exception's being made. LeBron has the Coach K. Mm. Let's let's get the camera in here.
3: Yeah. Well, it's funny because to get to the visitor's locker room, he'll have to walk people don't I don't know if people know about it because it's like not in public view and re- I think only if you have like courtside seats you'd even be able to see it. But there's this hallway call and they call it Hubie's Hall yeah to lead to and it's like pictures of all the great Grizzlies over the years Hubie Brown obviously being one of them but like you know it's even like it's like Pau Gasol, Marcus All, Conley Zebo you know Tony Allen um even like you know Jason Williams. you know like there's I I'm maybe I'm wrong about no, it I'm pretty sure Jay Will's in there yeah. there's a Mike Miller yeah Mike a Mike Miller. Miller picture yeah so um, I don't know if
2: there's a Conchar. I don't know if there's a John no, yeah.
3: Lower well, man, you, here's Brian how you, Cardinal. I'm not here, sure. Here's how you know. Here's how you know the Grizzlies are at a different level this year as compared to like last year, for instance, when they got the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Did you see CBS did like a? It had to have been like 1,500, 2,000 words feature on John Conchar, and the Athletic did a big takeout on Dylan Brooks today, like. We're getting, we're getting like, this is like the treatment the Warriors get. We're like, you know, like Kavon Looney is hailed as like, you know, some great, you know, some great, yeah. great play, you know, some great, you know, player. When and, you
2: get the John Conchar feature, that's. uh
3: That means you've made it. Was it? No, it was like, Michael P. we want to write uh, about the Grizzlies so bad. We'll take whoever you're willing to give us. And I, I don't mean that uh, as no. an offense to John Conchar, no, 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 but that's tra- the reality. I'm trying to remember who wrote it because he used to be James Herbert.
2: Yeah, Herbert. Mm-hmm. I, I, we had Herbert on Eric's old show. Mm-hmm. He used to, to join pretty frequently. That was because I saw that on my Twitter feed. I was like, oh, this is different. Mm-hmm. Not the Conchar piece, but the fact that, to your point, you're getting pre series features on your ninth guy, right? Is that what we think? I think it's actually – this is an interesting question. Do you think when – do you think in game one, Conchar's part of the regular rotation? No, I do not. Doesn't it feel like it's going to come – I guess – so that would be a good – What are we
3: we talking about – Yeah. so here's a couple things. Like, what are we going to be talking about coming out of game one? Are we going to be talking about the rotation? Let's start there. Because obviously the starting lineup is going to be John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks – Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman. They're going to start the game that way. Yes. And then the question becomes, okay, how much do we see that kind of small ball lineup they they experimented with at the so end of the year? sub
2: out Tillman, sub in Canard. Uh, uh, yes. Is that the
3: one you're talking about? Yes. Um, how much are we going to see, you know, are you going to go Santi and Jaron, you know, at times, potentially? Yeah. Um, yeah, how are you going to try to steal some minutes with another bit? Are you gonna yeah. are you gonna go smaller and just go Roddy at the four more often? You know, like how are you I my suspicion is we're gonna see it's he's gonna do what he did in the playoffs last year. It's gonna be a nine-man rotation in the first half with the expectation that it might go down to seven or eight in the second half. And I think he's gonna pick between Roddy and Conchar. And my Feeling is you try Roddy first, and if he's not effective, then game two you can always go to Conchar. So you would go with Roddy just because, because he, of can, he can upside because he's he can act he can play some four whereas Conchar can't and you're short-handed so you're, down low.
2: You're valuing at this point you'd be valuing like uh
3: what's the word I'm looking for? I'd be valuing his physicality over Conchar. Conchar is a good defender. You'd be valuing more like his flexibility. Now then, Conchar is a Con- Conchar a good rebounder for and his size. He has played in the playoffs, but, not well, but yes. <laughs> but no. If you consider experience, experience, I don't think we're going to be talking about the rotation, if only because compared to last year, Jenkins' options are limited. Like there's no Stephen Adams to go put in there or take out. There's no Brandon Clark to turn to. Like, oh, there's so no question- Ultimately, his biggest calls are going to be okay. Do I go small, or do I stick with Jaron and Tillman down the stretch? And to a much lesser extent, do I go with Roddy or do I go with Contra? Yeah, like so. I don't think the rotation actually—excuse me—is going to be that big a deal because I do expect we'll see Ja, Dez, Dylan, and Jaron play 35 to 40 minutes if they're not in foul trouble.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably
3: fair. You know, like I think that, and I do think the
2: like everyone's pointing out to the um, i think the amount of time in between games well that that plays to that plays for lebron i think that also plays for the grizzlies because the grizzlies have fewer guys i feel like that they that they can trust like i'm not saying that i think the lakers bench is better or their secondary guys are better but i do think they have more guys that they that at least can throw out there i the problem is they have more guys that i feel like are jekyll and hyde
3: yeah, um, well, and then this was interesting to me yesterday, and I wonder if we'll be talking about this coming out of Game One. All right. I, when I was going through Taylor Jenkins' quotes, and I hadn't, I hadn't put this together, but once he said it, I go, "Oh, he's right." Obviously, the Grizzlies never played the Lakers this year when both LeBron and AD were playing. One or the other was out every time the Grizzlies played against them this year.
2: I believe in every Grizzlies game, either LeBron, AD, or Ja were all
3: out. At least in one of them, really? at least one of them was out. I believe that's the case. Well, yeah, Ja missed the last game. Is the one he missed? They 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 only played three times, I believe. This yeah, they, year. this year they did. And Ja missed the last one because he was suspended. That was right after the Denver incident. And then the one bef- the the second game was when he scored twenty eight points in the in, quarter. the in the in the third quarter, quarter right? Yes. Uh, and then, but then they ended up losing the game, I believe. Right? No, oh, that was the home game. Oh no, game. yeah, no, you're home, right. They won the
2: home game. Yes, and he had a yeah. triple
3: double. Yeah, that's right. The, w- was,
2: the the worst loss was the one, the Friday night on national television. It
3: was the Shannon Sharp game. Correct. They the missed
2: door. all the. They missed the <clears throat> free throws. Tyus got. They the, blew it with a full. got the ball ripped away from him, and they then, blew it with yes. a full
3: roster. Correct. Like that was the one time they played him with a full roster. Correct. They dominated. They, they controlled. I should say most of the game. But I believe Anthony Davis was not playing in that one. Yeah, I think that's correct. Um, but so they've never played against them with this year with both those guys. So I do think that could be a talking point coming out of this, particularly if the Lakers win game one. The other part is, last year, lest we forget, the Grizzlies lost game one in both series. They They gave up home court immediately in both series. Obviously, with Minnesota, they were able to come back. You know, I do think ultimately... That was a – and that, that Golden State loss was particularly costly because you not only lost game one, you lost Dylan Brooks for game two because of the flagrant foul on Gary Payton the second. Um, and so I do think – a Ja mentioned it yesterday. I think there's going to – there's a focus on, like, let's not – we work so hard to get home court. In a series like this that feels like it's going to be tight, Don't you don't want to give it up in game one. Six, seven, eight – no,
2: we're counting. Nine, ten, what are we looking 11, up here? 12, 13, 14. LeBron James is 3 and 14 in game ones on the road. Wow. In the playoffs. Interesting. So something's got to give. So of his 21 game one or game one losses, mm-hmm. 14 are on the road.
3: Okay, here's a question for you. Are we talking about I think at some point in this series, officiating is going to come up.
2: Is well, co- that's—I mean—that's a free space. I yes, mean, come on.
3: But no, the question is: Will we be talking about it coming out of Game One? Do you think it's going to—you know—I mean, the, do you think it's going to be an issue all series long, or it'll be like very sh- specific moments? I can tell you when
2: officiating will be an issue: when the Grizzlies lose. I—I <laughs> I mean, that's—you know what I mean? I mean, was there was still a decent amount of complaining about officiating in the Minnesota series last year? I mean, I think a part of it was because Jaron kept getting in foul trouble. But I remember you and I in real time talking, like, most of the fouls Jaron got in that series, most of them were pretty earned.
3: No, Jaron, what Jaron's got to, he just can't commit the dumb ones. The frustration foul. Like the, like, yeah. There was one. Um, and he has been better, but it's still, like, it's you know, one of those like, things where it's like. When Anthony Davis is good at drawing fouls. Too. He is. He is. I, well, and so I is LeBron. Know, and Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be, def- he, like, there's this sense of, oh, it's Jaron versus Anthony Davis, like a proving ground thing. And I just don't know if – I don't, don't know think how much – I don't think either of them are going to defend each other that much. Maybe in crunch time some, but, like, I don't think yeah. they're going to want Anthony Davis roaming outside to the three-point line to defend Jaron. Now, I don't know what that means. Like, who's – who? I mean, can the action, most,
2: most speculation has been Vanderbilt,
3: which is actually – But, I but think then it, that means you, who are you putting on Ja So that's the big
2: question. The guy that's had the most success against him has been Schroeder because mm-hmm. he can kind of match up quickness. Mm-hmm. But the problem is Schroeder's been coming off the bench.
3: Yeah, and do you, maybe Russell's size, but he's not a great defender. I mean, Angela we've seen
2: – I feel like Jaw's hoping it's Russell. Well, I'm sure he's hoping it's Austin Reeves,
3: but – Yeah, well, in the Timberwolves series last year when Russell and Vanderbilt – were in it, Vanderbilt was defending him a decent amount and Jaden McDaniels defended him yep. a decent amount. They, they, they put longer wings on him in that series and kind of remember they forced him. I mean, I, I think a big I think you're going to Taylor Jenkins alluded to this yesterday. He's expecting exaggerated defenses from the from the Lakers yeah, so I don't, forcing Jaw to shoot. Yeah, I think it's going to be very
2: similar to like what we see the Clippers do. Like where mm-hmm. they they pack the paint mm-hmm. and to me that's kind of the big question. It's like Jaw's
3: gonna they're gonna give Jaw the three. Yeah. He's gonna have to he's it's it's gonna be a fine line but he's probably gonna have to take more threes than we're comfortable see, with him taking see i disagree with that i think he needs to take more mid-range i think he needs to
2: i think it's one Don't of those settle. Ones where, yeah like instead of going all the way to the rack mm-hmm. that little 13 14 foot pull-up or the floater like i think that's what's gonna be key for him because i mean at this point mark like it's not you know we can all keep hoping that the the three ball is going to be there It's been worse since he's gotten back. Yeah. I think, though, the other interesting thing, there's a lot of conversation about how the Lakers are such a different team since the trade deadline. Mark, you've been paying attention to the Grizzlies since the trade deadline? Three-point gods. Yeah, they're pretty good. They are... Harrington had the stat last night. They're sixth in the league in three-point attempts. Mm -hmm. And what is completely... Uncomfortable and unusual, and to a certain degree, almost feels like a mirage.
3: Fifth in makes. Well, the reality it, is like make percentage. Not- Kennard has come in and not just shot like what he normally shoots, he's shot better than what he normally no, shoots. No, he's been he's been he over was the 50- best three point shooter in the league, and he's like shooting 10% better than that. The thing that was we didn't really talk about it because
2: it was such a nothing game. And again, you have to consider the opponent, and I'm not and I'm not ignoring that. That stretch in the third quarter against the Bucs last Friday, when the Grizzlies were doing the experiment of Ja, Dez, Kennard, Jaron, and uh, Dylan, that that wrote that lineup that we're talking about,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Mark. That's the scariest offense in Grizzlies history. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is another end
3: of the floor. Yeah, and rebounding. Correct. But I'm telling you, man, that's the one. Like you blinked, and they went on like a 19-0 run. I I really do believe this series is going to come down. I really think I don't think it's going to be officiating. I don't even necessarily think it's going to be the stars. If the Grizzlies can figure out a way to like only lose the rebounding battle by a little bit, I think they're winning the series. I think they're winning games if they can like kind of make it even-ish. May I expand
2: on your point on the or on the clarify? Glass. I care less about defensive rebounds. They just have to not get killed on yes. the offensive glass. Like yes. if it's a series where the Grizzlies are giving up, you know, essentially two extra possessions, yeah. Each each possession or two extra attempts mm-hmm.
3: every possession, I think they're in trouble. Yeah.
2: No, because I mean, one thing we've seen also with the Lakers is they they really are not giving up a ton of extra possessions.
3: Heck, we saw it in the Warriors series last, remember the yeah. Warriors really like one game 6 because Memphis couldn't clear the glass. Couldn't get, a,
2: couldn't get a board. They were getting. They were getting the initial stop, mm-hmm. but they couldn't get the rebound.
3: And that was that was frankly when they've lost here down the stretch without yeah. Stephen Adams. That's yes. been among the that's issues. That's been the formula. Um, so, you know, I don't think this series is as complicated as maybe some make it out to be. I think LeBron and AD are going to do damage at various points because they're LeBron and AD. I,
2: I do think-, think where the Grizzlies have an advantage, though, the Grizzlies to. Well, maybe not. I was thinking the Grizzlies, though, their two best defenders are probably going to be on. Their two best defenders. Like, we know Dylan's going to be on LeBron. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I think it's probably going to be more Tillman on AD
3: I don't think you're going to want. You're going to have Jaron Roman. Jaron's going to defend Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think that's Unless they start someone different. No, you're Um, right. But I just kind of see this. Those two guys are going to get theirs. And the games the Lakers are going to win are when guys like Schroeder and Reeves and Malik Beasley are hitting shots. Because you're going to be focused on LeBron and AD. There's going to be one Malik Beasley game where he gets
2: 30. Like, let's just acknowledge it. That's probably just going to happen.
3: And it's just, you got to make, you know, like I, I really think it's about limiting the others. It's not necessarily limiting LeBron and AD. It's limiting the others.
2: I kind of agree with you. The only thing that I would push back on is, I don't, like you can't, you can't have these games where Anthony Davis has 40 and 20. Yeah. Like, it's – it's he's
3: clearly a great player. Like, Mm -hmm. the idea of stopping him is – No, if you look at his numbers, he is having – you know, it may not be his best season statistically, but it's among his best statistically. Again,
2: I stand by what I said yesterday. Like, I'm actually – I'm hopeful that LeBron's going to do the thing where he wants to run the offense through himself. Because I think they are a much scarier team when they play through AD. Because he's been phenomenal down the stretch.
3: And he seems to have... Well, because I do think... Well, here's here's another thing. Are we going to be talking about... I do think the way Dylan defends, like how... And he's a great defender, but he's also like... I don't want to say it's antics, but it's like he's very in-your-face. It's like very pestering? exaggerated, the way he defends. Oh, I think we are in... We People are, are going to be talking about that.
2: Well, I think they're going to be talking about it. I also think we are in for, like, meme city. Mm. Like, I think there's like going to the, be...
3: He could, he could replace Lance Stevenson yeah, on the, ma- on mean, the LeBron she, meme mantle. Just,
2: I just think that, like, it's just going to... I feel like this series is just going to set up for gifts. Dylan's going to love this series. Oh, yes. This
3: is like, I mean... I wrote my, my column up at com about how Ja Moran has the most at stake in this series. You know, I think, like, Dylan Brooks stands to, like, gain the most if, like, the Grizzlies win this series, potentially. Like, he doesn't have as much to lose as Jaw does, necessarily, but he has, like, plenty to gain from this series. Maybe I still think Jaw has the yeah, most still, to gain. Yeah, like, no, I think you're right, because his... Dylan could earn tens of millions of dollars from this. Jock Feels like Ja could get hundreds of correct. millions of dollars if he figures yeah. out his life and beats if he be, takes out LeBron and then maybe takes out the Golden State and changes the narrative about himself. Uh, but I think Dylan, though, to a ele- in a in another in a different circumstance in which John Morant doesn't hold up his gun on Instagram and do all this other crazy mm-hmm. stuff, like D- Dylan could but, have been uh, the most important figure in the Mark, series. That was not his gun. That's true. I said a gun. No, you said his gun. Oh, really? hold, hold gun. on. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Slander. Not his. Slander. Thank you. Yes. Um yeah. So uh man, I can't wait for I can't wait for this series. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, we still only have another forty eight hours. <laughs> um well, to hold us over, Mikey Williams, the uh, Memphis basketball signee, the the star of Penny Hardaway's latest recruiting class. Uh, high school recruiting class. I high guess, right? school recruiting class, yes. Uh, well, reports surfaced late last night out of San Diego. I believe the San Diego Union-Tribune was the first one to report it, and then subsequently TV stations have uh, have uh, advanced the story. But Mikey Williams was arrested last night, or excuse me, yesterday afternoon on five different charges, of five different felony gun charges in uh, the San Diego area uh, and it has been confirmed. It's you know he is a you know Mikey is Mikey Williams is a distinctive name, but his full name is Michael Williams. So you know Michael Anthony apparently. Well, it's, it takes you know to conf- you know it's a generic name ultimately. There's a lot of Michael Williams out there, but it has been confirmed it, it, it's the same guy. Yeah, I think it was confirmed when his uh, social media was deactivated. Yeah, I think that yeah. was the confirmation. Um, ESPN has subsequently reported via the San Diego Sheriff's Department. Um, that it's likely the multiple counts of assault with a deadly weapon, which is what he's, he's being charged with, um, will likely just turn into one felony charge. Um, he's accused of violating California, California, California Penal Code, Chapter 9, Section 245A, Section, or, uh, like... Something, too, which involves, quote, any person who commits an assault upon the person of another with a firearm. The charge carries a maximum sentence of up to four years in prison. Memphis has released a statement saying it's aware of the situation and gathering more information. Um But this is not good. Not good at all. Um He's out on bond, by the way, Mikey Williams, $50,000 bond. It's scheduled to appear in court Thursday. But... um yeah, not good. Felony charges against your uh, top recruit. It's not good. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll be interested to see what exactly assault upon the person of another with a firearm entailed. What does that? What are they alleging he actually did? I mean, my assumption is it has to be some form of pistol whipping.
2: Because if he were like assault, means there was a physical altercation. I think if he fired the gun, there's and it a good been, chance it would be like attempted murder or like there would be a different charge.
3: Maybe. Assault with a firearm. I, I don't really, I don't want to speculate on, you know, cause, just because I don't know. Um, I will say, California, widely considered to have the toughest gun laws in the country.
2: Yes, I will say, though,
3: San Diego is not San Francisco, but... Yeah, but once you get with the, once you get, you know, it, I don't know, and I, my sense is, based on conversations i've had i've had with people who've spoken to the police i don't know if they realized till last night that they were arresting like someone who would generate headlines nationally and so i don't know if that changes anything i mean know?
2: i think the fact that it took so long to confirm whether or not it was that mikey williams i think that suggests that they did not have any idea yeah that this was a quote unquote celebrity
3: yeah and so i mean The question, I mean, honestly, like, I guess I hope for the best for Mikey Williams. I'm just really more thinking about this from Penny Hardaway and Memphis's perspective. Like, what do you do? Do you wait this out? And hope it's, you know, because I don't think you can, I mean, I don't know what the rules are at Memphis. I was trying to find their student code of conduct, but I find it hard to believe if he's dealing with a felony charge, he's going to be able to enroll at the University of Memphis. I, again, I have no idea, like,
2: what. With the student code of conduct, but that seems like you're gonna have to resolve this before you can
3: enroll at Memphis.
2: I mean, I think it's even, I think it's even bigger. This can you have, like, if he doesn't get this resolved, I don't think you can have a guy on your team that's charged no, with a felony. No, 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 no,
3: no. He, like, the question is how quickly does this get resolved, and how does it get resolved? Is he, you know, if he's, I mean, I think if you're Penny if, he's, Hard- if he's indicted or, uh, I
2: think if you're Penny Hardaway, you're doing your best to figure out what actually happened. Yeah. Because Penny Hardaway is going to find out some version of what happened before we will. Because mm-hmm. as Mark, as I believe Mark noted it, or was it in the story that there's a processing period that's going to take... I believe
3: like, I believe it could take up to 10 days to get the incident report on this.
2: So, you know, obviously I'm sure Penny's talking to Mikey and his side. But I think Penny also has the uh, the understanding, well, that story's going to be more partial to Mikey. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, do you think that... He, do you think that they're going to be able to get information from well, the, the prom- sheriff a little easier than obviously the media
3: would? I don't know. Because the problem is if you're Penny, if you wait, you know, right now, if you if you decided to just cut – you said, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this and cut bait with Mikey Williams. Like, I don't know if there's options that are better than Mikey Williams out there, but there but are gonna options. Al- you're going to have alternatives. Yeah, there are options. If you decide to wait the case out, which could take several months potentially – Well, then, yeah, I don't know what your options are. And so it puts Memphis and Penny into a tough spot because, yeah, Mikey Williams wasn't getting hyped up as much as other big-time recruits Penny's gotten in the past, but I do think they were counting on him to play a big role on this team.
2: Yeah, we can talk more about this during hour number two. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Blake Topmeyer joins the program next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey.
3: Call from Mom. Answer
0: it. Call silenced. post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today um, ESPN Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of g
1: is brought to you by the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey show on 92.9 FM ESPN
2: The first inning is unpredictable, but you can place a no-run first-inning wager with confidence at BetMGM. Make a no-run first-inning prop bet on any Friday MLB game. If only one run is scored in the first, you'll get your stake back in bonus bets up to $20. Take big swings all season long with BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks and official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Log into your account or sign up with BetMGM today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New and existing customer offer. Opt-in required. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. SEC Football Unfiltered is his podcast, available each and every week. Download, like, subscribe. You know the drill. He's on Twitter at B. Topmeyer, Blake, let's start here. This is just good headlining. YOU Texas joining the SEC makes me think of Bobby Bowden. You got a click from me, but why did it make you think of Bobby Bowden for our audience's sake?
4: Yeah, I got a click from you. I think that equates to about 0. 0.007 cents or something. So go ahead and click it a few more times. You're welcome.
3: I'll, I'll hit refresh. Wait, you get yeah, bonuses you. for clicks? I gotta, I gotta negotiate that in my next deal. No, he's he's just uh, doing no, for a yeah. company. Oh, so uh, you're a company, company man. I see.
4: Yes, I'm a company man. No, 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 really. When I when I think about these entries into the SEC for Oklahoma and Texas, I, I really think their potential impact could be similar to what Florida State's could have been if it would have joined the SEC in the early '90s. Of course. Um, you know, the SEC ended up with, with Arkansas and South Carolina at that time, and as as most of us know, the reason that the SEC expanded then was to get to 12 teams so it could be a trendsetter and split into divisions and conduct a conference championship game, which was what the NCAA rules called for at that time. You couldn't have a conference championship unless you had at least 12 teams in your conference and you were divided into divisions. Um, but but looking back, you know, you know, Arkansas and South Carolina were not the apple of the SEC's eye at that time. They they really wanted uh, Florida State or Miami, uh, or they even kicked the tires on Texas at that time. And uh, and those schools passed. You know, Florida State, as we know, joined the ACC. Bobby Bowden preferred the ACC, uh, as he put it at the time. Florida State would would wield a bigger sword in the ACC than it would in, in the SEC. Um, some members of the SEC just speculated that Florida State was too chicken to join a more rugged conference. But but there's nothing chicken about what Oklahoma and Texas are, are doing. Obviously they're um, they're heading toward you know I think kind of bigger and better pastures, tougher pastures. Um, but really I think the the ceiling for these two schools. Um, You know, is that a level that that Florida State probably could have been um, as well if it it would have joined the SEC? It did just fine in the ACC, but from the SEC's standpoint, none of its additions that it's added in previous expansions, I guess, have the ceiling of what Florida State would have brought. Do you think they regret it? (laughs) Maybe now. That's what I'm saying. I don't think they regretted it. I don't think they regretted it during the 90s when when they were, you know, one of the, if not the elite program uh, in the sport. They won two national championships in the 90s as members of the ACC. um, And and really, you know, Bobby Bowden continued to flourish throughout most of his tenure. So at that time, I think the decision probably paid off. Uh, I think, you know, Bobby Bowden's uh, outlook on it proved true. You know, they did, they did wield the big sword in, in the ACC. They didn't have to, to put up with the rigors of the SEC. And at that time, uh, you know, there was no playoff, so it was really just about avoiding losses yeah. to winning national championships. So it paid off great then. But now, as they're, they're stuck in, in the ACC and, um, you know, the riches are not flowing to that conference, they're stuck in this media rights deal that extends into the 2030s, like, yeah, now I, I think there probably is some regret uh, that they're not members of the the SEC. So in the short term, and really wasn't all that short term for for over a decade, it paid off. Long term, they probably would be better off in this conference. And 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 honestly, I think the SEC, if if you could you could get some truth out of them, they would would still probably enjoy having them.
3: Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, I think Florida State, there's a clear demarcation. Like 2010, when like the the if you want to say the modern era of conference realignment, because I think there's this misconception that like. Conference realignment is a new thing. It's been going on forever in college sports. Sure. Um, but the modern era kicked off in, like, 2010. From that point on, I feel like Florida State has been like, we like the powers that be there, they can't say it at the ACC meetings directly, but when they get back to their board meetings, it's like, man, we need to get out of this league. Like, I think from that moment on, they felt that way. And I think it's partially, though, a function of, like, their football team hasn't been that good. Over the last decade or so, well, and they saw Florida win two
2: national championships, and yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, I think when they saw how much how much money the the SEC was making, I think that I think that's when they started kicking themselves.
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to know what you guys think on this because I when I do look at that that pursuit of Florida State, you know, thirty years ago, even before Florida State went to the ACC, they they were humming in football. I mean, Bobby Baden had that thing rolling. That would have been. A, a boon. It would have been a marquee ad for the SEC if if they would have got them. They didn't, and like I said, they settled for Arkansas and South Carolina. Um, but I do see Texas and Oklahoma somewhat similar to what Florida State would have been at that time. And I know we can make the jokes about uh, Texas has been back for how many times now, and Oklahoma hasn't won a national championship since 2000. But but to me, these are two marquee brands with lofty ceilings, much like Florida State had that. They can come into this conference, they can thrive, they can win a national championship, as I think Florida State probably would have done out of the SEC with with Bobby Bowden do you I and mean, what do you guys think about that do you do you think that's that's too lofty of praise for Oklahoma and Texas to say that they can they can be kind of a player in this conference and, and be the biggest addition that the SEC has has made and, and kind of dwarf some of these these past round of expansion so
2: they're They're clearly big additions because, as you point out, like everyone can fire off their Texas's back jokes, but I do notice when Texas goes to town, opponents seem to care. And Mm -hmm. to me, the biggest question though is, are they going to be able? Like we've seen, like a school like A and M when they added to the SEC, they also started recruiting better. Mm -hmm. Like, are they going to be is? I think we're gonna find out. Do the letters SEC and do they have the ability from an NIL perspective? Do they have the the budget? We know Texas clearly has the budget to keep up. I'm a little more curious about Oklahoma. Um but yeah, I, I think in the end they're like they're they're games that people wanna to go to and want to see because that's actually the bigger question, I think, for me with the SEC moving forward is what are these schedules gonna start looking like? We know they're going to nine games. How many bye games are you gonna be able to play? Is it nine games and you're gonna be allowed one FCS team? And then are you gonna to have to play another are you gonna to have to play another P five school? You know what I mean? Like, I know what ESPN wants. ESPN wants to do away with every, you know, sunbelt game that there is and whatnot. Like to me, like those are kind of the bigger questions. It's like, you know, are we gonna see you know, coaches? If you're in the, the middle tier to bottom tier, the SEC, like coaches typically try to schedule to win, and I don't know if you're going to be able to do it anymore.
4: Yeah, if, if, they, if they approve the, the nine-game schedule, it's going to be interesting it, it, what it takes to get that across the finish line because I still think there is more quiet support for the eight-game schedule than, than has been uh, publicly apparent, and I think one of the things they're going to do to sweeten the pot to get enough votes to get the nine game schedule across the finish line is to remove the requirement to play a power 5 opponent in in the non-conference schedule. Now I think a lot of teams would still play at least one power 5 non-conference game. A handful of teams probably wouldn't, but I think that that could be what it takes to get that nine game schedule across the finish line. But but I think you know I think the arrival of Texas and Oklahoma I think some SEC fan bases might think, "Well, that's going to be a rude awakening." for texas and oklahoma yeah maybe it's possible it happens but i think it's just as likely if not likelier it's going to be a rude awakening for some of those sec fan bases that think you know texas and oklahoma are going to come into this league and be in the bottom half and have to work their way up because the sec is so much tougher than what they were facing in the big 12 yeah it is top to bottom you know a, a stronger league than the big 12 but you, know, you just look at this last recruiting class, and, and Texas was number three in the recruiting rankings behind Alabama and Georgia, and Oklahoma was number four. Now, those schools have, have typically recruited well. That's, that's nothing new, but, um, but that's some pretty, some pretty heady stuff, and it, and, it, and it does tell you that they're going to have the talent when, when they come into this conference. And, and we've talked before, guys, that I think it was really beneficial to them that they had a little runway. That um, they knew they were coming into this league, they can tweak their recruiting strategies, whatever they thought they needed to do to prepare for their SEC arrival. I'm not saying they're going to come in and win the conference in year one. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it wouldn't shock me at all uh, if either one of these teams is is in a 12-team playoff pretty quickly uh, after it, after it starts in 2024. You know, comfortable in their new digs in, in the SEC.
2: No, I, I think to your point, typically what we've seen is when teams. Go to new leagues. For all the eye rolling and whatnot, like they've kind of been what they've always been. Texas A yeah. and M was very much kind of an eight and four. There'd be some years in the Big Twelve where they'd strike lightning in a bottle and maybe go ten and two, you know, whatnot. That's kind of what they've been in the SEC. Missouri has largely been kind of a go to a bowl game type program. They've had they had the highs, you know, and then they won the the East twice. But I think the biggest thing to me now that I that seems to be obvious is with Georgia stockpiling so much of the talent. When teams go from outside the SEC to the SEC, the biggest difference typically is defensive lines. Like they're just so much bigger, stronger, faster, and that's where they get overwhelmed. Well, it's almost like now because Georgia just stockpiles all of them. I feel like I feel like that it's not as. Unless you're just playing Georgia, it's like it's not as big of a deal. Like I think that was key for why, you know, when you saw Ole Miss go ten and two last year, when you've seen, you know, Tennessee flip it quickly, I feel like a big part of it is is the amount of defensive linemen that are just absolute physical freaks are not as widespread as they once were.
4: That might be true. And and I do think, you know, in a direct comparison there between Georgia always comes back to Alabama, right? And I do think that is a way where georgia is kind of the old alabama i know you know that comparison sometimes is, is maybe overplayed uh, there are some ways where, where georgia perhaps isn't like old alabama but there are ways that they are and i do think at the line of scrimmage is a prime example i mean when we think back to uh alabama ascending in the sec and and becoming a, a dynasty under nick saban uh we think about what they were doing at the line of scrimmage i mean they always had good running backs Sure. They usually always had one standout wide receiver. Sure. Uh, but they had really good defensive linemen. I mean, their, their second string defensive line uh, could have been all conference players in other conferences. And, and their offensive lines were, were always very, very sturdy. And that's what we've seen, you know, in the last couple seasons as, as Georgia's won back-to-back titles. Of course they have talent everywhere. That is true. But I really think, you know, the thing that Georgia has hung its hat on the past two seasons uh, is a line of scrimmage in, in both ways. And it's interesting that even though the SEC quarterback play in the last five or ten years is probably as good as it's ever been in this conference, still the team that's now the two-time defending national champions, they're a line of scrimmage team. And that's cliche because it's true. It's a line of scrimmage league, yes, sure. Um, but I think beyond being a line of scrimmage league, it's the cream of the crop yeah. in this league, whether that be Alabama, you know, 10 years ago, whether that be Georgia now, the cream of the crop in, uh, of this league is is a line of scrimmage team. More times than not, you know, we had the LSU flash in 2019. They maybe weren't quite as much um, a, a line of scrimmage team with a generational quarterback and Joe Burrow, but for the most part, the top end of this conference, the top team in this conference.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.